Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, Flybee finally bites the bullet after a saga of financial troubles. We take a look at how the coronavirus outbreak is affecting aviation this week, from aircraft groundings to slot constraints. We'll then take a look at what I discussed with Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary last week in Brussels. And finally, we'll take a look at British Airways' good deed for charity. So, let us begin. So, I believe you want to begin with um, the sad story of Flybee's demise this week. Is that right, Joe? That's right. I'm sorry to be covering this, to be honest. It's... uh... It was inevitable, really, but it was quite sudden. Nobody expected it to happen quite this soon. Um, But yes, the news was that Flybee has collapsed and gone into administration rather suddenly um, in the middle of last week. So, um, you know, Flybee, maybe those across the pond haven't heard so much about this airline, but they were a really big airline. They they were the biggest regional airline in Europe. Um, they had the largest fleet of Dash 8s in the entire world. They carried about 9 million passengers a year. So, you know, they're not up there with the likes of United Airlines, but they were a big deal for the people that used them. Um, and they specialised in some of these more obscure routes between, you know, cities that don't get a lot of airline connectivity. And, you know, it's a huge loss actually for for European aviation. Um, So I didn't want to kind of rehash what happened because we all know that they ran out of money and had to close. Um, But what I really wanted to look at was what went wrong at the airline. You know, they were a vitally important link for particularly for regional UK. So how did they not make it make a go of it? And I believe recently they've had their best figures for quite a while, haven't they? Which is They certainly seem to be picking up. Yeah. I mean, since uh, Connect Airways bought into them about this time, well, it's beginning of last year, I think, um, you know, there was a bit of money pumped into them and it was really looking quite good. You know, they they had a relatively profitable 2019 from what I understand. Um, But at the end of the day, they just couldn't get over the bump in the road and the coronavirus, although it's kind of being labelled as the main reason for the airline's collapse, its troubles ran an awful lot deeper than that. It was certainly the final nail in the coffin, if you like, Um, but I don't think it was really to blame, not entirely. So I was doing some research into kind of where things started going wrong for this airline. you know, they've they've been around actually in various forms since I was born, which was quite a long time ago, 1979. So, and they grew for the first two decades. They just grew and grew year on year. They did really well. And I really think the fundamental turning point was when the airline was floated on the stock exchange in 2010. Now, obviously, when you've got shareholders to appease, you're under an awful lot more pressure to grow and expand and to become more than you are. So, you know, for Flybee, that was kind of the beginning of the end, you know, even though it was 10 years ago. Um, the first thing they did, because of the money that they made from the IPO, they took that and went and placed a huge order with Embraer for $1.3 billion worth of ERG, ERJ 175s. So that was 35 planes and they had options in place for a further 100. So this airline that had built its business fundamentally on the Dash 8 was now thinking, oh, hey, let's go and go all jetty and start operating these Brazilian aircraft. Um, so, 
what actually happened was when they started being delivered, they found they were rather expensive to operate. They weren't as efficient as the turboprops on these short regional routes that Flybe really specializes in. And of course, it added another layer of fleet complexity. And as you'll know, for any airline that's looking to keep its costs down, having more than one type of aircraft in its fleet always almost doubles the cost, doesn't it? You need a, a new type of pilot certification. You need new types of engineers, new parts. So, it was really a bad decision by Flybe, bless them. Um, so, by the middle of the sort of 2010s, about 2014-15, they'd only had 11 delivered out of this initial order of 35. Um, and at that point, they turned around and said, actually, this isn't working for us and had another 20 removed from the order books with Embraer. Um, that this, at the time, they were also leasing some larger ERJ-195s, um, but they've gradually been returning those as well. They figured they just don't fit the business model. You know, the Dash 8 was much better suited. Um, and the last 195 actually left just last month towards the end of February. Um, so, it was an, a mistake and a very expensive mistake for Flybig, you know, and I really think that was fundamentally one of their biggest issues. Um, there were also operational issues. You know, they they used to have Logan Air working. They, Logan Air is a little Scottish airline, very similar business model to Flybe. Um, but they, back in the day, they never operated under their own sort of branding. Um, they worked with Flybe as a franchisee. Um, but in about about the same time as Flybe decided to cancel the Embraer order, they kind of had a spat with Logan Air, and they began um, they began actually competing with them. So Logan Air set up and began operating some of the Scottish routes on its own. Flybe said, "Well, you're not having all those routes to yourself. We're going to compete with you." Obviously, what happens next is a, a price war, and you know both airlines lost an awful lot of money. You know Logan Air's losses were something like six million. Uh, yeah, six million pounds and Flybees were up nearly at 10 million. So, you know, again, that was a bit of a mistake on Flybees part. And then, of course, you've got all the the general issues that airlines in Europe and the UK have been facing. You know, the, the fuel costs have risen exponentially in the last 10 years. Brexit made it incredibly expensive to buy jet fuel because airlines in the UK earn their money in pounds sterling. Since the sterling's really been devalued, thanks to certain voters, um, you know, airlines have really found that their operational costs have gone through the roof. Um, air passenger duty doubled in 2007. So, for Flybe, that meant paying £26 on domestic flights per passenger because they take off and land in the UK. Um, and any of their profitable routes, you know, domestic or the intra-European routes, they got snapped up by bigger airlines. You know, EasyJet and Ryanair said, hey, look, Flybe's making money on that route, swooped in with larger aircraft and lower prices and took the business away from them. So, really, they were just left with a few kind of bespoke important to the people in the regions, don't get me wrong, but kind of obscure routes that weren't really making any money. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that although coronavirus has a lot to answer for, you know, don't get me wrong, they've really put some um, barriers in the way of airlines profitability this year already. Um, but I don't think it's to blame. I think that that's a bit of media spin and I don't believe a word of it. What do you think, Tom? Um, well, like you, I, the coronavirus did not cause the demise of Flybe. It may have sped it up um, like I, I think maybe a month or two at the most. Um, you know, um, this is an airline that we've been reading about having financial troubles for well over a year now, and 
coronavirus has only been around for sort of two or three months. You know, these problems have been going on and on and on for some time now. So, I mean, labeling coronavirus as a need for um, assistance or as a reason for collapsing in certainly in this case, and I think in many other airlines cases as well, possibly, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it certainly didn't help things, but it wasn't the be all and end all. And I think uh, Flyby was a bit of a disaster from the word go. So I, I think the question everybody wants to know is what's going to happen to Flybee's airport slots? Now, um, here in the UK, we have slot-controlled airports at all of the London airports, and as well as Manchester and Birmingham, and even Bristol during the summer season becomes slot-restricted. So, you know, I think we can possibly look to the same people that bid for the Thomas Cook slots when they collapsed. So that was airlines such as Wizz, IAG for British Airways, um, Virgin. You know, in the end, those Thomas Cook slots went to um, EasyJet. They bought 12 Gatwick slots and six Bristol slots for £36 million. So, you know, I think that can give us a benchmark of what we can expect from the Flybe slots. Um, my prediction, if anybody cares to hear it, is that um, the low-cost carriers, I reckon, you know, EasyJet, Wizz, maybe Ryanair, will jump all over those non Heathrow slots. So anything they've got at, you know, Gatwick or Luton or, um, you know, any of the London airports, Bristol, Manchester, whatever, I really think they're going to go for those. And I think with the Heathrow slots, it's going to come down to British Airways and Virgin Atlantic really bidding against each other for those. Um, they would be the obvious choices. But just to throw a curveball in there as well, there's an awful lot of airlines that really, really want some Heathrow slots, you know, so these could be uh, prime real estate for airlines from all over the world. Um, in particular, I'm looking at JetBlue in the US, who are keen to, you know, come over to the UK and they'd love some Heathrow slots, would they not? Um, and then, of course, on the other side, you've got Vistara, who have just had their first Dreamliner delivered, are really keen to begin long haul flights. And I think, you know, a couple of Heathrow slots get pop, pop up for grabs. They're going to go mental for them. So, uh, yeah, let's expect a bidding war and some very expensive slot auctions. <laughs> mm. Well, I think, interestingly, um, I saw some rumours online that Vistara was maybe behind the uh, purchase of Air New Zealand's Heathrow slots. But obviously, at this moment in time, that's all um, very hush-hush and we don't know who did get them. Um, but also, as well as the Heathrow slots, you've got some slots at City, I believe, if that's correct. That's right, yep. They do fly into um, and city. Again, they're not going to be ones that the low-cost carriers want. So who do you think mm. would go for those ones? They'll be interesting because there's only a limited number of um, types of aircraft that can actually land at London City. Mm. Um, so you would be unlikely to see any long-haul airlines looking at those. It would be someone from Europe, possibly Air Baltic. Wouldn't it be exciting to see Air Baltic oh, landing the A220 at City? In city. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Let yeah. me get on the phone right now and <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But it could be anyone, so we'll just have to wait and see. Mm, we will. Well, while we're on the topic of um, slots, um, I know a lot of airlines currently are looking at slot restrictions in general because there is the need for... Um, well, with the coronavirus situation that is ongoing that did not cause the collapse of Flybe, um, there's been a huge demand globally, um, or a demand drop globally, shall I say. And this means that airlines don't need to operate as many flights as they have been because they can't fill them. Of course, 
with the slots that you've mentioned, um, there's a use it or lose it rule in place. And if you don't use it, then you will lose it. So this has led to a number of um, so-called ghost flights occurring where airlines are just operating flights in order to not lose their slots, even if they don't have the demand. And I think this actually happened around a year ago as well in the case of um, Etihad with a couple of their Heathrow slots because they suddenly added a couple of... um, interestingly timed flights um, (laughs) that didn't really seem to have uh, any any big aim after they got free slots back from another carrier. Um, So airlines such as the Airlines for Europe group, including like IAG and to an extent Ryanair, um, Lufthansa, they've all been calling on the EU to scrap um, the slot restrictions, at least for the time being, because it's a decision that's made on the EU level, um, and obviously the airlines are calling for it, and now the um, UK government has called for it today as well, because empty flights aren't helping anybody, you know? No. like There's pointless CO2 emissions at a time where the airline industry is really trying its best to cut CO2 emissions. Mm-hmm. And it can't and be good got, for the airline's yeah. balance sheet either to be well, exactly. flying empty like, flights. You're not making any money on an aircraft that doesn't have passengers in. So. Yeah. It's really pointless um, from any angle that you... There's no benefit to having this in place at the moment. No, no, there really isn't. I think IATA as well had um, called for a relaxation of the slot restrictions. And I think specifically they asked them just to remove them until this time next year. I mean, we're we're almost at the end of the IATA winter season. I think March the 29th, we change over to summer season. So they're asking for a full year of removal of, of these slot restrictions. And I think it makes perfect sense, really. I mean, nobody could have predicted this. And we absolutely absolutely don't want empty planes flying around, uh, both on an environmental level and, you know, considering how the airlines are struggling already with their profits. And I mean, I'm surprised that the EU didn't snap on this opportunity straight away, because by not implementing it, it goes against the EU's whole um, sort of ethos on sustainability. Yeah, Sure it does. And that was one of the reasons that um, Heathrow's third runway got thrown out last week, um, because they the environmental campaigners raised the issue that we were the UK as a nation was actually violating its own um, legal by, legally binding commitment to reduce CO2 emissions by allowing the third runway to go ahead. So surely, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, the European Commission is violating its own legally binding carbon reduction targets by allowing this sort of thing to go on. So it would be great to see some movement on that in the next few mm. weeks. It really would. Well- Hopefully, we'll have an update on next week's podcast on this. <laughs> that would be awesome. And potentially next week as well, we can also see if um, the British government made any decision on this air passenger duty, uh, which I mentioned as one of the reasons for Flybe's collapse, because uh, the budget is taking place and with any luck, it will be changed. Um, but unfortunately, in aviation, change sometimes takes a while to filter through. So we'll keep you posted. <laughs> so on the topic of the coronavirus and its impact generally on aviation, Um, I think a couple of interesting things came to light this week, uh, which was there's at least two airlines that are looking to ground all or some of their Airbus A380 fleets. Um, Now, one of these is Qantas, who obviously is the Australian airline. It flies its A380s from Sydney to Los Angeles, London, Dallas, and it also flies a Melbourne to Los Angeles route. 
Last year, it was flying the same aircraft to Hong Kong and Tokyo, but already because the issue started in Asia, it's already kind of scaled back the aircraft that it's deploying on the very few remaining um, East Asian routes that it runs. But now it looks like out of the fleet of 12, six of their A380s are going to be removed um, and replaced with something smaller, which I guess makes sense when you've got a low demand for travel. Um, They've got a few spare Dreamliners and A330s floating about that could be deployed. So, um, Um, You know, they're not saying they're being retired, but they may well be pulled from schedules until things settle down or until we know what the future holds. Um, Another one, the other one was Lufthansa, um, your local airline, Tom. Um, So they've actually had to cut their capacity overall by almost 50 percent as some 7000 flights being cancelled. Initially, that was very focused on Asia, but now they've had to start rolling out cancellations on short haul flights within Europe. Um, The airline said the purpose of this was to reduce the financial consequences of the coronavirus, um, which in plain English means they're losing a lot of money. And you can understand that. Yeah, it's interesting because it comes at a time um, when, in general, um, German aviation is suffering domestically from high-speed trains because um, we're one of the countries that's really feeling the effect of flight shame. So, um, already there's been a decrease in demand uh, domestically and the coronavirus has just uh, sort of double whammied it, if that makes sense, you know, like, um, because one of the big focuses of the um the cancellations is domestic flights for example say between frankfurt and munich lufthansa's two big hubs you have say frequencies of up to half an hour i believe um and when you've got less passengers traveling you've just got to say you've all got to move on to this flight because it makes sense cover um like for example let's take manchester to um frankfurt um ryanair operates that with one flight a day and during the summer and lufthansa had four or five last summer i believe and if you look at ryanair's overall load factor it's around 98 percent uh whereas it's quite a bit lower for lufthansa already yeah the very cheap tickets help too <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, obviously this um this A380 grounding thing is just a rumor at this stage. I do have to put yes. that caveat out there. We don't have at any the time details. Of yeah, we don't have any details on exactly how many A380s could be grounded or even if it's going ahead at all. But it just really highlights the extensive impact that the the I guess it's a lower appetite for travel, really, isn't it? That 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 is having, you know, it's not because people are sick. It's because people are scared to travel. And that's kind of the sad thing. You know, if you're brave or is it reckless? I don't know. Maybe you can snag a really cheap flight to Venice right now. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I was looking at um, Ryanair's really cheap flights to Milan. But then obviously, two hours after I was looking, they announced uh, or Milan sort of got quarantined. So. Yeah. Although carriers still seem to be flying there. Some do, don't they? They're, and I don't think uh, all the cancellations have kicked in. I think this kind of lag between realising there's a problem and actually putting the cancellations into effect is giving the virus enough time to spread. But I'm not a doctor. That's just my personal input on it. So while we were on the subject of Ryanair, didn't you meet the inimitable Mr. Michael O'Leary last week, Tom? Yes, so I was in Brussels for the Airlines for Europe conference on Tuesday, and I got the opportunity to chat with the man behind the Irish uh, low-cost carrier. 
Um, and we chatted a lot of topics. I'm not going to bring them all up here because we haven't covered them all on Simple Flying yet. Um, but do keep a lookout. No spoilers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. But what we did talk about that I will talk about today are the 737 MAX and coronavirus, of course, and Comac, among, of all things. Um, so let's start with the Max, because who doesn't love a bit of juicy Max news? Um, <laughs> When we were talking about the 737 MAX, O'Leary told me that he's sort of still very confident that their first aircraft will come in during September or October, um, which is what we've sort of been expecting for a while. There's no big news there, and um, I wasn't expecting any big news on the MAX at all, but um, we did get one glimpse into the return to service of the MAX when O'Leary mentioned that the airline is looking at how it's going to reintroduce customer trust in the aircraft. Because obviously, that is one of the big, big, big things that suffered as a result of the aircraft grounding with social media um, as it is now. And he suggested that the airline will offer a refund to passengers who don't want to fly on a MAX. Because in his words, he said, we don't want people to feel trapped on a MAX. Now, it's a great policy because... It's not forcing anyone to travel on the max. However, it has this caveat in that Ryanair won't tell anyone if they're traveling on a max in advance because they only do their fleet scheduling the uh, 24 hours. I was going to say, I thought that was the story. So yeah. these passengers they're going to give refunds to have literally got to arrive at the gate with yes. their bags packed and then take a gander yeah. at the aircraft and go, oh, look, it's that one with the winglets and the, the wobbly nacelles. I'm not going on that in order exactly. to get their refund. Okay. Exactly. Well, it's and, better um, than saying he, no refund, but still. Yeah. <laughs> um, he made it very clear that and a passenger has to go to the airline, uh, airport to benefit from this because otherwise, you know, it's just going to run away. Everyone's going to be like, oh, I was worried I'd fly on a Max. Um, but it's. I, I think it's very good to see that they're taking the issue seriously. Yeah, it is. It's progress because I think yeah. before you spoke to him, the message we were getting from Ryanair was no way, no refunds. You know, you don't yeah. fly, you don't get anything back. Yeah. That's that. So this yeah. is good. They, they've moved on since then. Yeah, exactly. And um, on the talk of Boeing sort of um, and Airbus, um, recently from a lot of airlines, not just Ryanair, we've heard about the Airbus Boeing duopoly. And really, when it comes to a sort of 737 a320 sized aircraft your big choice is airbus or boeing um, however there's a new player on the scene potentially um, depending on how the program works out and that is comac in china with the c919 and in 2011 ryanair signed a memorandum of understanding with the manufacturer to design a 200 seater aircraft which would it'd be about on par with their 737 max aircraft that are due to come in um, so I thought, like, we heard about this in 2011. There was a brief rumble about it in 2017. But since then, there's really been nothing. So I thought, let's let's see what's happening with um, the program from the man himself. So Michael O'Leary told me, we're still committed to the Comac program. We would like to see the de development of a third player. We need to see, in our view, all airlines and customers need to see the emergence of a third manufacturer to replace McDonnell Douglas, and the Chinese would be a very welcome addition. I can agree so, with that. What do you think of that? <laughs> Will we have Chinese aircraft um, on our short-haul, low-cost routes anytime soon? 
honestly, no, I don't think I don't think it will be widespread. I think it's always nice to have more choice, you know, particularly yeah. with the uh, Airbus tying up with Bombardier and um, Boeing tying up with Embraer. You know, it would be nice to have another manufacturer to think about, particularly in the short haul jet market. But you know, I think it's it's going to be a niche thing. It will get bought up in China. It'll probably do quite well in Russia. Um, there may be a few low cost airlines or startups that go in with this with the Comac um, aircraft just purely because it's priced lower than the alternatives from Boeing and Airbus. But no, I don't think it's going to be a regularly seen aircraft by any stretch of the imagination. You know, short haul airlines have placed their orders with Airbus and Boeing for the next sort of five, 10 years. So if it does happen and it's any good, I think it's going to be, you know, a good decade before we really start seeing them with any mm. regularity. Well, I'd agree with your sort of timeline, but I would disagree that I don't think people will um, pick it up because Ryanair obviously is, still seems very committed to the program. And I think if you have a big carrier like Ryanair use it and it works out well for Ryanair, other people are going to take notice and they're going to say, hang on, Ryanair's having luck with this aircraft. We want in. But there's the problem that the SJ100 had, for example. You need um a couple of large carriers to pick up the aircraft and say we'll give it a go and yeah. it works out yeah it would be interesting definitely if if Ryanair does op- start operating them as you say it kind of demonstrates it's a viable alternative so be good to see be good to see hmm. so i kind of wanted to just uh, wrap it up today with a nice story because recently we've been using your nice stories as our last story um <laughs> So I actually came across a really lovely story with a charity background to it on Friday. Would you like to hear more? I would, Tom. You've got me intrigued. (laughs) Okay. So on Friday, British Airways staff braved the cold weather and a group of 90 staff and celebrities, including football's Gary Lineker, um, came together with the idea of using the airline's newest aircraft in order to break a world record. So they called up Golf X-Ray Whiskey Bravo Echo, which is their latest Airbus A350 from Toulouse, and they parked it in the maintenance area, sort of out of the way of any moving traffic, moving aircraft. And then they just attached a very big rope to the front of the aircraft. And they broke the the record for the heaviest aircraft pulled by a team of mixed sexes. Okay. Um, So the previous record was 180 tonnes, and British Airways has now rewritten that at 182.9 tonnes. Oh, an extra (laughs) 2.9. Yeah, not a huge increase, but they've got it. Um, And they're doing this in order to raise money for the charity Sports Relief. But um, Uh the thing I really like about it is we've seen a lot of similar records recently, and they've all been in Dubai because... Um, Dubai's got this um, fitness challenge ongoing at the moment and as part of that a male team pulled an A380 setting the male team um, record a female team pulled a 777 setting the female team record and a group of youngsters from 15 to 17 pulled one of Fly Dubai's 737s setting that record so it's nice to have a record sort of more closer to home in that definitely, regard. Um, definitely. And I do wonder how long it will last because this is not something that people are running out to do left, right and centre um, per <laughs> se. 
No, and I tend not to put um, pulling an Airbus A350 on my to-do schedule each mm. day. Be a bit weird. <laughs> well, especially as well, um, the problem is that they're trying to make aircraft lighter and lighter in order to save fuel. So um, <laughs> I don't. I think it's going to be a struggle at some point to. We're going to run out of heavy planes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they um, really should have done it with an A380 and just got it done because nobody can beat that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. They could have done, but I guess they wanted to use the flagship of their fleet for this one. I don't blame them either. It's a very mm. pretty aircraft. Mm. And I mean, they produced a video of it, which is on our website on the relevant article. And I would definitely um, recommend having a look at that because it's got some awesome shots. At one point, they have the camera right underneath the landing gear as it rolls over the top. So Cool. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'll I have would to definitely check it out. recommend that. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing that, Tom. No worries. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that's it for today's podcast. We do hope you've enjoyed it and would welcome any feedback you might have at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thank you. Bye.